Before I get started, though, uh, I want to go ahead and say a prayer for us. So choosing life. Still rustling the notebooks. All right, let's do this. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, you are our Father, and so we exalt you and we thank you, God. You are the author of life. You, Lord God, do all things well. You do all things well, and so we just exalt you. We give you praise in this place, and Lord God, we just pray breakthrough come now, Lord God. Let breakthrough come tonight. May you continue to strengthen your church in justice and in righteousness. May you build us up, Lord, in your love. May you also build us up in your healing, God, for you are real. You are tangible. You are near, Lord God. And you bring healing, Lord God, to to every heart, Lord God, no matter how broken, Lord God, no matter what has happened in our lives, you are able to heal. You are able to make all things new. And we exalt you, our Redeemer. We exalt you, our friend and our Father. We give you praise in this place. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you anoint my lips, that you just guide me through the sharing of, of the testimonies, Lord God, and of the word that you have for your church. May you truly build us up. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the subject might, might kind of surprise you. Uh, it was something that surprised me at, at One Thing Conference in 2004. I was there at International House of Prayer, Kansas City. Great stuff. And uh, on the last day, um, this pastor got up that was called the Human Flamethrower. That was what they called him. So I was kind of excited to see what this guy had. And then he said he was going to speak on abortion. And I was like, abortion? And uh, I just kind of started to tune him out. And I thought, what does abortion have to do with me? There's no way I'm going to get into this message. You know, abortion is just something that, that deals with just certain people. Certain people are called to that. And uh, I really thought, oh, well, this is just a message I can kind of sleep through because I've had, you know, I've been listening to so many messages over the four days. But you know what happened was by the end of that message, I and about the other 10,000 people in that auditorium, we were all in tears. We were all weeping because we were experiencing the heart of God. And there was a revelation that was being released that we had been numb to, we had been blind to all our lives. We had just treated it as just some other thing that's on the side that we just ignore. We have our own church, we have our own walk with God, and that's just something separate from us. And I'm here to tell you tonight that it is something that is very important to each and every one of us, male and female, uh, no matter how old we are, because it is something that affects us and our nation. And uh, God spoke to me into my heart during that time, and, and as I've continued to, pr- to just pray over abortion, is that life begins at conception. That is when it begins, that the moment the C the A come together, new life is being formed. And if you haven't heard Psalm 139 before, I'm going to just read it right now. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. It says, You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Now, many people who talk about abortion will say, well, uh, a baby is not a baby. There is not true life until the baby can survive outside the womb or until certain organs have been developed so that that baby can survive in some sort of way outside the womb. But the truth is, is that no child can survive outside the womb. 
up until probably, what, six years old, seven years old, that there's no way that a child knows how to feed himself, clothe himself, take care of himself. So to say that there is a certain time frame as a baby and a child develops when, okay, that is a person, is completely wrong. So if I were to take a baby here and to, to put one in front of us and to say, okay, this baby can't really perform that well, we should just do away with it, that would be horrific, wouldn't it? Uh, that would just be completely wrong. And so what time frame does it come in where it's, okay, that is not a baby? Um, you know, yeah, there's life there, but it's, it's not a real child. We've already come to fall in love with Pastor, ba uh, Pastor Eddie's baby, Emma, who is in an incubator. She was born premature. Uh, her, her organs have been suffering. She's gone through seven surgeries, which is amazing. And uh, we just pray for her, and we just believe she, she's just so precious. She is God's treasure to us, and we love her so much. How could anyone think of taking baby Emma's life? How can anyone think of saying, oh, this baby's not fit to live? Um, this is too much trouble. Uh, we, sh we should do away with her. Sadly, for most of us, when something is out of sight, it's also out of mind. We know of the atrocities in the world, but unless we see them face to face, we just tend to ignore them. It's when we see through God's eyes that we have compassion. So before I go on with this message, what I want to do is I want to show you guys a video clip this is Chris Vallotton. I think I said his name right. He's with Bethel Church, the uh, senior associate pastor. Uh, and he's going to share with you guys some dreams that he had about abortion in regards to abortion. And what you're going to experience here is seeing through God's eyes uh, what happens. So it's a little intense. Uh, please pay attention and receive. talk about choosing life today and I had a dream in December dream and in this dream um, I was sitting with God on his throne like he had this big old throne I don't know if you can kind of picture like in this dream God was like three times the size of a normal human and I was like the size of a normal human which is very small and I was sitting right next to him he like his throne, he just kind of scooted over, and I was sitting right there on his right hand, and and um, we were just kind of interacting, and, and I looked down, and the Lord had the, the, the earth, he was holding the earth in the stream, and the earth was about three times the size of, a, you know, one of those globes that you see on a desk, it was about three times that size, and he was holding it like this, and um, and there was, and suddenly I realized there were screams coming from the globe. And uh, it was the most... It's very difficult to describe the, the screams, but um, years ago when we lived, in the, we lived out in the woods, um, I remember this one night waking up at about 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night, and there was a doe out just behind in our, in our yard, which was actually in the forest, and uh, coyotes had surrounded that doe and ate it alive. And the doe was screaming. It was the most blood-curling scream I personally had ever heard while the doe fought for her life and, and while the uh, coyotes ate that, that doe alive. It was that kind of a scream coming from the earth, but multiplied times thousands. 
And uh, and so it was like it was like the Lord was like it was like we were interacting, and all of a sudden this, these screams were coming. They were probably coming the whole time, but. In the dream, I, I suddenly, with the Lord, began to turn our attention. We began to turn our attention towards this globe that the Lord was holding with both of His hands, and He leaned over as if to, as He leaned over the earth as if to incline His ear to hear where the screams were coming from. As He as He inclined His ear, as He as He looked to investigate where the screams were coming from in the dream. I became instantly aware that the screams were coming from children who were in the midst of an abortion. Whew, here we go. And, and, and so, and so, so he's looking over this, this planet, the planet, and the screams are just coming, screams for help. They're not with words. Much like the, you know, the doe example. They weren't words. They were just screams coming. And the Lord looked over the planet like this and he was holding it and he began to weep. And then his weeping turned to wailing and he was wailing and, he, and, it was, and his tears turned to rain and it was raining all over the earth. It was pouring rain over the earth, but the, earth, the, the rain was his tears. And... Uh, and the Lord looked over at me, he's weeping, he looks over at me, he's holding the earth, he looks over at me, and his eyes catch my eyes, and as, have you ever had someone look at you, and it's like they look into your soul? He was like, he, when he turned to look at me, he stared into my soul, and he said this, he said, you must finish that book. And the dream changed. And then in the next, in this next scene, I was sitting at a computer screen, this computer, this screen, and I was, um, and on the computer screen were pictures uh, of a binder with clear plastic, you know, like clear plastic binder that you can put like uh, business cards in, but instead of business cards being in there, aborted babies, like there was like six on a page, were on on the computer screen, pictures of them, you know, aborted. On, in the dream, I would click, I would take the mouse and I would put the arrow on different ones of the, I would click on them and when I would click on them, a video would start of their entire life as them all the way from their childhood to their, their adulthood. As if the Lord was saying, this was the destiny I had planned for them. And this atrocity cut their life short and I woke up there's no other man could raise the dead if you're I don't know if you're anything like me but sometimes we grow up in a culture that we feel like we are totally impotent to change and I want to say this, that our forefathers grew up in a culture with, where slavery was legal and accepted. And it was Christians who rose up and said, this isn't right and this needs to change. 
And we don't live in slavery anymore because somebody, some folks had the courage to believe that their culture, they didn't just say, well, this is a sign of the times. Things need to go to hell so Jesus could come back. Somebody got, somebody said, this isn't right. This isn't going to happen on our ship. And they fought for change. I'm just trying to give you some hope. It doesn't have to be like this. We've been given... Someone's handed us the ball, and we have now been entrusted with a social culture that needs change. Somebody once said that all that evil needs to do to perpetuate is for good men to do nothing. Does it bother you that 3,000 people died at 9-11 and 3,000, more than 3,000 men have, uh, Americans have died in Iraq to protect our freedom and the whole world is up in arms trying to decide if we should get out. But in that time, in those four years since, since the 9-11, almost 5 million babies have been aborted in our country. We're concerned about 6,000 people, and we should be. Don't misunderstand me. But it, well, we run over here and argue over this. Five million babies have been destroyed over here. Do you realize that abortion, since Roe versus Wade, 1974, from 1974 to today, that there are more children killed in abortion in our country than all of the wars put together in, in the history of America? That, that abortion doctors have killed, I forget the amount more, but killed many times more children than soldiers has ever killed on foreign soil. Chung. So before I came to uh, Korea in 2005, uh, I met one of my friends, Crystal. She had been serving at International House of Prayer in Kansas City for about six months, uh, doing fire in the night. And uh, she shared with me that while she was there, she joined some silent protesters uh, against abortion. And what they did was, like you just saw at the end of that video, they got out on the street and they put a piece of tape over their mouths with the word life on it. And they stood uh, towards the end of a street. There was an abortion clinic, and they stood far enough away that they wouldn't disturb uh, things. They weren't there to do protests. They weren't there to tear down the clinic. They were just there to pray. So they were far enough away not to disturb, but close enough to be able to see. And all day, from morning until evening, they just stood there, and they prayed, prayed silently. And they just continued to pray and pray and pray for that abortion clinic and for the different women uh, that were going there. And Crystal said that she watched as um, young women would drive in and they would park their car at the clinic and some of them would go in and have their operation and would leave. But uh, many others, they would park and they would just sit there. And Crystal and her friends, they would pray and they would pray and they would watch as these young women would begin screaming and crying and hitting the steering wheel just 
You could see the battle happening right in front of their eyes. And they were praying for God to break through and to bring life. And many of those women turned the car back on and they left. And uh, it was very encouraging. But uh, at the end of the day, when they took off the tape and they shared with each other at night, many of them had seen uh, just this huge demon over the clinic, this huge demon. And he was very satisfied. He was very satisfied. You could just see he was very comfortable, very satisfied with what he had. And they knew that much more prayer was needed. That although that day they'd been able to help some young women in just at least overcoming doing it that day, that many more need to pray for this, that this is such a stronghold of the enemy. Chris Valentin shared that more babies have been aborted since Roe versus Wade than uh, all the wars that America has had combined. Uh, and in just the past four years, five million babies were aborted in America. But America isn't the only country uh, where abortion is rampant. In fact, America isn't as bad as some other countries. According to most statistics, and some say higher, but uh, I went with the one that I saw the most, 42 million babies are aborted every year. 42 million babies. You guys probably know that South Korea has the lowest birth rate, and what's very clear is it is because of abortion. That 1 in 12 girls, once they are known the gender, here in Korea they are aborted. And uh, last year, and usually about every year, there are 450,000 children that are born in South Korea, while there are 350,000 children aborted. And um, one politician, South Korean politician, said that number is way off and that it's likely a million and a half every year are aborted. And uh, you wonder why the birth rate is so low. So popular are abortions in South Korea that some doctors that have stopped performing the operation have been threatened. Uh, and have been really threatened with their life, that they must perform the abortions. Uh, Korea has even been referred to as the abortion republic. So just a little wake up, what's going on around us in this nation. Now, how does this affect us? What does this have to do with the church? What does it have to do with you as an individual? Let's open our Bibles to Leviticus chapter 20. going to give a little background to this passage we're about to read. In the Old Testament, there was a pagan god, and his name was Molech. And what he was, was he was a metal statue that people would worship. And how they worshipped him was he was a metal god, and he was like this. This metal god, and he had arms that stuck out like this. And what they would do is they would set a bonfire around Molech, and they would light him until he was red hot, until that metal was red and they would beat their drums, beat their drums, and then they would take their infants and place them on Molech and until they burned to death. That was how they worshipped Molech. That Molech was both worshipped through child sacrifice, and he also basically served as abortion for the babies that, weren't un- that were unwanted, the babies that they did not have the tools to kill in the womb. So let's read how God feels about this god Molech how God feels about um, this child sacrifice. Leviticus 20, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the people of Israel, Any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his children to Molech, shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people, because he has given one of his children to Molech, to make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do at all close their eyes 
to that man when he gives one of his children to Molech and do not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from among their people, him and all who follow him in whoring after Molech. See, God's judgment is not just for those who kill the infants. It is for all who tolerate it. It's for all who look away. Flip forward in your Bibles to Numbers 35. Next book, Numbers 35. I want you to think about the 42 million babies that are aborted each year as we read this verse. It's Numbers 35. I'm going to read verse 33. You shall not pollute the land in which you live. For blood pollutes the land, and no atonement can be made for the land for the blood that is shed in it, except by the blood of the one who shed it. Guys, I'm here to tell you today that abortion is destroying the land. Genesis 4, God tells Cain that his dead brother Abel, his blood, is crying out to God from the ground. And we read in Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12 that Abel's blood is still crying out to God today. That innocent blood, when it is shed, cries out to God for justice. And that nothing can atone for that blood except for the blood of the one who shed it. And I'm here to tell you that this blood does not just affect those who do the injustice, but it affects those who tolerate it as well. I'm going to read for you 2 Kings 24, verses 3 and 4. It says this, Surely judgment came upon Judah at the command of the Lord to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh, according to all he had done and also for the innocent blood that he had shed. For he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood and the Lord would not pardon. I really believe that much of the birth complications, uh, barrenness, just different things that are happening to so many uh, young mothers, uh, including my sister, um, that is a result is a, of a curse that is covering the land. And that one person's sin, when it is not accounted for, it spreads. And the consequences of that sin spread, especially when the people around that person tolerate it, especially when they choose to look away. When sin goes unconfessed, when sin is allowed to continue to fester, its consequences fester. And it doesn't just touch those who are doing it, but it begins to touch the community. It begins to overtake the culture. So I believe God is asking the church, do you care? Will you choose life or will you choose to look away? And I believe he's putting a choice in front of us. A few months ago, I received a call from a friend that a former worker at the children's home where I serve at, um, she had gotten a stomach, stomach ache, very bad stomach ache that day, and had gotten into the hospital, and they found out that she was three months pregnant and that her water had broken prematurely. And she needed the water to reappear, reappear in her womb in order for the baby to survive. Problem, though, is that this worker, um, she had only been married for a month. So clearly her husband and her, they had conceived a child uh, before being married. And they were both Christians and, and really loved God. And so as I prayed for her, I just knew in my spirit that she had a choice. And what was she going to do? Was she going to choose to really pray and defend this baby 
and cling to this baby that she didn't know she even had until that night? Or will she choose to just let the baby go and avoid any shame or just avoid any complications? Well, within 36 hours, the water, it did not reappear. So the baby died in her womb, uh, and they had to force abort uh, the deceased baby. And then I, I went to visit her the next day and her husband, and we talked for a while. And I shared with her about the need for healing, um, for there being you know, death in her womb and the need for healing there, for God to come in to touch her. And uh, I also just sensed in my spirit the moment that I walked in the room that she had had a dream and that God was speaking to her. And so I asked her, did you have a dream you know, the other night when you were going through this? And she said, yeah, actually I did. She shared with me her dream. And in her dream, there were two babies. And one of the babies, uh, she could tell it was her baby. And it was red. And it, was just, it just looked very sad, very small. It didn't look in good shape. So she saw this, this baby. And then she saw another baby. And it was a very healthy baby boy that was about 10 months pregnant. Very healthy, very strong. She told me that she didn't have a heart for the baby yet. I mean, she just found out that night. And so she just didn't have a heart for this surprise baby when she received the news. But in that dream, as she looked upon this dying little, you know, just red, red baby, and then upon this very healthy baby, she said that her heart kind of sprung for this healthy baby. And she said, okay, God, even though I'm not ready, even though I don't have a heart, I, I, want, I want this baby. I, I, want, I want the healthy one. And what I knew was that God was speaking to her that she needs to desire and treasure every gift of life that God gives. And what she saw on her left of that baby that was about to die in her womb was she was just seeing through her own eyes and through how the world would likely see this baby. But the baby on her right represented the promise. And this was how God saw the baby and that God loves this baby and that this little one, that God can change this baby into just strong, healthy, beautiful, wonderful baby. And God was saying, do you want, do you want her? Do you believe me for this? Do you see this potential? And I believe God is saying to the church, do you see potential in each and every little one? Do you see potential or do you see them as the world sees just another mouth to feed? Just another kid we got to take care of. How do you see them? Imagine the potential for the 42 million babies that are aborted each year. The world sees them as red, small, and perhaps better off dead. But God sees life. God sees his image in each and every one of those 42 million. They are the apple of his eye. Our church, you guys know, we're becoming more and more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And tonight, I mean, praise God, we're praying for things about justice, praying for the homeless, praying for Pattaya. Uh, just this past year, God has opened doors for us uh, through to, to find out more about sex trafficking in Thailand through the mission trips there. Our eyes are continuing to be open to the needs in North Korea and just the atrocities that are happening up there. Our eyes have been open more to the Philippines and to the typhoons and the victims there, and we've been, even be, been able to send a number of people to go and to serve. And this is a beautiful thing. And I applaud the church. And guys, this message isn't a message that's meant to beat you up, but this is a message that is meant to open our eyes even more. That as we're growing in justice, as we're growing in righteousness, in the Father's heart, we need to be aware of what is breaking the Father's heart. And I'll tell you, 42 million babies a year breaks the Father's heart. 
I know that uh, some are called. You know, some people say, well, the person has a calling to work with the sex trafficking victims, and the person has a calling to do relief work, and the person has a calling to go to North Korea. And that might be true, but we're all called to pray. And I'm telling you, abortion is something that impacts us far more than perhaps those other things because it's happening right next door. It's happening in our community. Our community is being cursed because of this. And unless we begin to pray, unless we begin to experience the Father's heart, we're going to see the society continue to fall apart. And that whenever we pray for North Korea every Friday afternoon, and then we pray for South Korea, there are certain sins that stand out. And for both, it's idolatry. I mean, idolatry is rampant in North Korea, and idolatry is rampant in the South, materialism. Okay, I mean, those two are just very clear. Uh, In the North, there's fear. Fear is rampant in the North and mistrust, just fear and distrust. In the South, there's pride. Pride and shame are so rampant in this country. But I'm here to tell you another is abortion. Abortion and sex trade. These things are ripping this country apart. And whenever we pray for South Korea, we have to confess those sins. When we pray on these Friday afternoons, we just keep crying out, God, let your blood come and redeem the innocent blood on the ground. Receive these souls, God. Bring healing to this land. Bring your life. Enable people to see the potential in each and every little one. Enable us to see them not as mistakes, but as a gift from God. As there's so many young women who need guidance, they need the truth, encouragement, and healing. And I'm telling you, for those who are unexpectedly pregnant, they need to learn the reality of abortion and its consequences. They need to know how it affects their body and how it will affect their emotions, the trauma that can come through it. They need to know that although the little one in the womb was not a part of their plans and may have even been formed through sin, that God is a redeemer and that he has blessed plans for the child that there are other options, that there are support groups, that there are people who so want to adopt a baby. But to be honest, there are not many babies out there to be adopted. We used to do foster care in America, and we take care of babies before they would be adopted. My family did this as I was growing up, and then just they stopped being babies. Part of it was some of the mothers, they were keeping the babies for themselves. Part of it was just simply abortion, that they were choosing just to do away with a baby and not have to carry the child the nine months. 42 million babies also means 42 million mothers. That adds up. Studies have shown in America that nearly 50% of all women in America will have had an abortion during their lifetime. For those who have committed abortions, what does God desire for them? And I'm, I'm here to tell you, He desires healing, complete healing. He desires to reveal His Father's heart to them as well, to touch them as well. And recently I visited America and I met a wonderful couple there. Their names are Peter and Sonny and they do inner healing ministry up in Northern Virginia. They were introduced to it through Francis McNutt. He's the guy that we're reading for deliverance ministry. And he has a a thing down in Jacksonville, Florida. Peter went there first and he got healed up of just a lot of trauma from his childhood, a lot of junk. And it was really powerful. And when he came home, his wife, Sonny, was just shocked. This is a new man. This is not her husband. But, wow, I mean, she, she was so blessed. And soon she was led to go as well. And God hit her in a mighty way. And uh, they shared this at a recent retreat that I was at. And uh, just really blessed me. And I felt, man, this needs to be shared more and more and more. People need to hear this hope. That while I've just been sharing with you guys so much heavy junk, 
so much stuff that you guys you need to take you need to swallow you don't need to just put to the side and be like oh man that was depressing i'm gonna forget about that and go home and sleep you really need to be chewing on this you need to be praying you need to be asking for god's heart and i'm telling you for some of you guys when you're praying on this you you're going to start hearing those voices you will start to hear the babies crying and if i i've had friends who have heard their cries just as chris heard that pastor chris heard that during that video it's going to touch you but god enables you to hear the cry so that you will know his heart more so that you will know his love more so that you will be able to pray because again out of sight out of mind when you're not when it's not in front of you it's easy to forget about it it's easy to forget about Pattaya when we haven't been there for a couple months it's easy to forget about philippines when that's a few months ago as well but when you start to see the pictures when you start to get back in contact with the people, it becomes fresh again. And I'm telling you, God's spirit enables it to be fresh in you. That as you pray and ask for his heart, it will become more and more fresh. And you will be able to pray. And you will be able to experience his love in new ways. And you will receive power. You will receive strength. You will not get beat up. But you will receive power and strength. God will build you up, church. So with all that, all right, who wants to be blessed by a testimony? If you want to be blessed, say, say, I want to get blessed. Give me some encouragement. All right, let's get some encouragement in the house. All right, so I'm going to read this testimony verbatim. This is Sunny's testimony, and she shared this at the retreat I was at, and I kept in touch with her. And um, so she sent it to me in a Word document form. And if you want a copy of this, I'd be glad to share it with you afterwards. Um, she shared this in front of number of conferences in different places. So this is her testimony. You can get some water first. <laughs> Build up the moment. All right. My husband and I have been training for a healing prayer ministry down in Jacksonville, Florida. Last month, we attended our level two prayer training conference. I encountered Jesus in an amazing supernatural way and just couldn't keep it to myself. We had several speakers throughout the week of training, but I was especially encouraged by one speaker who shared her testimony about how the Lord brought about healing and restoration in her broken marriage. During a conference, her ministry partner asked her to share that testimony to thousands of clergy wives. God gave her strength to share about her testimony through the famous Doubting Thomas passage. Thomas couldn't believe that Jesus had resurrected from the dead until he could see and touch Jesus' wounds. Through that passage, the Lord reminded her how Jesus was able to show his wounds to Thomas and to the world so that we could believe. God was encouraging her to do the same. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us, has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. She also shared that by testifying, the Holy Spirit sealed her healing. Her testimony has given me courage to share my story of healing today. With love and gentleness, two prayer ministers helped me through the process of inner healing from a sin that I had committed over a decade ago. I had received prayer and asked for forgiveness many times, but I still felt like the wounds were raw and exposed, almost Daily, I would feel self-condemnation and the weight of guilt and shame would hover over me like a dark cloud. This dark, ugly secret that held me in bondage was the sin of abortion. While we were dating, my husband and I got pregnant. 
And in a panic and in an effort to hide our sexual sin, we decided to abort our child. This decision would impact our lives forever. Through the prayer time, this inner healing prayer time, Jesus gently and powerfully healed and restored me. In visions, he revealed many things to me. He showed me my baby girl and even told me her name, Anna Joy. I was able to hold her, to baptize her, and to tell her all the things that had been pent up inside me all these years. I told her how sorry I was and how I wish I could be with her. As I talked to her, there was tremendous release of pain and shame. Both tears of anguish and relief came rolling down my face. Anna Joy actually grew in my arms, and she turned into this skinny, beautiful little girl. She looked just like her siblings. I asked Jesus what she was like. He said that she loves to sing praises to him and that she is so full of joy. Jesus also revealed to me why he had called me to serve as children's director at my church. I never fully understood why he called me because it was not a natural fit for me. I just simply obeyed when he called. But now it all started to make sense. I was reminded of of Peter and his reinstatement. By calling me into this role, Jesus was telling me, I forgive you and I love you. I'm entrusting into your hands the next generation. Feed my sheep. I was completely blown away by this revelation. Finally, the Lord revealed to me that I had a lot of unforgiveness toward my husband. I subconsciously blamed him for not stopping us from making that mistake. Jesus showed me that my forgiveness was like a wall in our marriage. I needed to be honest with him and let Jesus heal this part in our marriage too. When we returned to our hotel room, I opened up to my husband and shared with him my prayer experience and how I needed to forgive him. He asked for forgiveness and he prayed for us. I cried buckets of tears, soaking his shirt. God brought about a great healing between us and a new level of intimacy. That night, we both dreamt about Anna Joy. My husband shared his dream with me as soon as he woke up. He said that Anna Joy was dancing around him, just like our daughter Sarah does. She came right up to him and said, Daddy, you're the best daddy in the whole world. In human eyes, how could he be considered the best daddy? Again, it was like God saying to us, you are forgiven. It's as if we never committed that sin. As I prayed through how I would share my story, I remembered how Paul shared his encounter with God on the road to Damascus. He shared openly and honestly about how he used to persecute believers, tried everything in his power to destroy the church and imprison Christ's followers, witnessed stoning and murders with approval. He was never vague about his sins because the healing that Jesus did in his life was so profound and so awesome. How could he keep it to himself? When I received my healing, I felt like scales were falling off from my eyes. You see, I really didn't understand the full power of the cross the full redemptive power. I believed that God forgave me, but I didn't believe that he could actually take away my pain and my shame. I couldn't forgive myself. How could I forgive myself? It wasn't until I let Jesus into that wounded part of my heart, until I let him see it, I was held a captive, a prisoner to my sin. I never thought there would be a day where I could actually see Jesus' grace washing over my sin. I never thought that I would, I would actually be able to share my story with anyone and boast about what Jesus has done for me. During my prayer session, God gave me this verse from 2 Corinthians 12.9. 
My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Before the healing, I was crushed by my sin, and all I could see and feel was the shame. After the healing, all I see is God's amazing love and grace poured into my life. I can now share this wonderful story of healing and freedom with people. Each time I share, the layers of pain and shame seem to be lifting off me. His work on the cross is so real to me, and his word is so alive in me. I am secure in God's love and forgiveness. I no longer fear man, and I am no longer hiding in sin's shame and shackles. It's taking me a long time, but I'm starting to get Jesus, his boundless love and mercy, his amazing grace, his transforming power. He is my healer, my redeemer, my Lord, and my God. Amen. Guys, God is desiring to touch our nation. God loves South Korea so much. He loves this nation. And He wants the hurting to stop. He wants the pain of the children to stop. He wants the pain of the mothers to stop. There was an abortion doctor I read about in Korea. He was one of those that was threatened. And he shared he he had to stop doing abortions. He was doing them just as much as he was delivering babies every day. He would abort babies. And the mothers would be so adamant they wanted to abort the baby, that they didn't want a girl or that they didn't have the money or they just it was inconvenient or whatever. But he would find when he would abort the baby, the mothers would cry. And it just got to him. And the last baby that he aborted was a mother that was so adamant she wanted to abort the baby. And the doctor kept telling her, no, there are other options. No, I think you will regret this. No, no, no. But after weeks, the mother finally got him to give in. And so he obeyed her longing and he aborted the baby. And she cried. And she cried. And he said, never again. And that's God's heart. There's never again. He doesn't want to see these young ladies crying. He doesn't want to see these young lives stolen away. He wants his love to go to them, church. And he's calling us to be his hands and his feet, to be a voice for the innocent, a voice for the helpless, to pray and to intercede for these babies that abortion would end that morality would come to this nation. You know abortion is illegal in this nation, but no one stops it. No one stops it. we got to pray for this, guys. And God also wants us to have a heart of love for every mother who has made that mistake, to be able to comfort them and to be able to lead them in that healing that Sonny received. Because God wants to do this for each and every mother. He wants to touch them in a powerful way and heal their hearts. And as you pray on this nation, we need to pray for the blood, the blood that covers this land. We need to ask that God's redemptive love, Jesus' blood, come down and to touch this blood because that is the blood that atones, Jesus' blood. We need to pray for it to come to redeem the blood that covers this land, to receive the soul of every baby that is crying out from the ground. This is how we are called to pray for this nation. This is God's heart. Let me pray for us. God, we exalt you for you are a good God. You are a loving God. You are a loving God. You are gracious and merciful, Lord God, filled with compassion for us. And we exalt you, Lord. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are the author of life. And we exalt you, God. And God, we just repent, Lord, of just looking away from your treasures. Of Lord God, seeing your little treasures, your little gifts, Lord God, as inconveniences, Lord. 
or just ignoring their potential. Forgive us, God, for looking through the eyes of this world. Forgive us, God, for being so numb to your heart, to what is going on around us, Lord. And we thank you that your grace is abundant, that your grace is near, Lord God, and that you're rejoicing over this church. You're rejoicing, Lord God, over the justice that is rising up in this church, that your heart, Lord God, is being released that people are able, Lord God, to pray for healing for others, to intercede for the broken, to reach out, to be your hands and your feet, Lord God. You are so pleased with this church, God. And we thank you, Lord. And we thank you. And we just ask for more grace. We ask for more love because we confess our hearts, Lord God, are only so big. That our ability to love, Lord God, is only so great. And we need more. That, Lord God, if we're to pray for this, God, we need your love. We need your Father's heart, Lord God. We need your grace to wrap us up. So we pray, fill us with your heart, Lord God. Fill us with your love, Lord God. Let justice, Lord God, Father, Lord, be, Lord God, your throne. Let justice rise up in our hearts, Lord. Let justice roll on like a river, Lord God. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. Let it be built up in this church. Hallelujah. And may you bring healing to this nation. May you bring healing to South Korea, to North Korea, to China, to all these babies that are being forcefully aborted, Lord God, in the North and in China, Lord God, and all the babies, Lord God, that are being chosen to be aborted in the South, God. Father, we repent on behalf of humanity. We repent, Lord God. And we pray, Lord, for your grace to come, for your forgiveness to come, for your blood to cover over all our sins, Lord God, for you to redeem every mistake, Lord, and for you to lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. For us to see your light in your life and for us to choose that life. To choose, Lord God, your goodness, Lord God, and your love. We exalt you, God, for you are capable, Lord God. You are near, Lord. So continue to break through in this church. Continue, Lord God, to strengthen our arms and our legs. We love you, God. We love because you first loved us. Continue to love us, Lord. We love you, God. Pray all this in Jesus' name.